This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. And we do want to remind you that ESPN Syracuse is giving you your chance to kick a field goal at the Syracuse North Carolina game this Saturday. Be the fifth caller right now, 315. 315- 437-7644 and you will be registered to win that prize package. If selected, you'll get tickets to the game and one field goal attempt on the field at halftime. If you make it, you win a thousand bucks. It's courtesy of ESPN Radio Syracuse. So again, fifth caller right now registers for that prize pack at 315-437-7644 as we switch gears and we talk some football now, Seth. We saw the kick last year and and uh, Justin was was our, our winner and he drilled it. Do you think you can make that kick? It was an extra point, so it was 20-ish yards. Do you think you can make that? So the key is getting the ball in the air. Right. And Justin was smart and he went and practiced the night before and he... He practiced kicking. He drilled and it. And it's, it's all about getting the ball in the air. And if you can get the ball in the air, the distance isn't far. It's the Not direction and the height. A lot of people, I've seen this many years, a lot a lot of people, just they'll kick like a line drive. Or they'll kick you know kick it on the ground. It's hard to get it in the air. It is. It ta- you've got to go practice. So if you get picked, I suggest, highly suggest, you go practice. Because Justin did last year and he walked away with some money. Because I'm, I'm fairly confident I would make that kick. Have you ever done it before? Yes. Okay. So you have some practice. I mean, like when I was younger, like yeah. a while ago. If you get the ball in the air, you have a pretty good chance you're going to make it. It's hard to shank it from that. Yeah, it's it's from almost. That distance. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's even if you don't kick it exactly I was, you straight. Know, I was going to say I was going to say it's nearly impossible to shank it well, and no. miss, but it's not nearly impossible. It's just very difficult. I mean, professional kickers shank it. So yeah, every I mean, once in a while, you you can shank it. Yes. Um, Although nobody's running at you and it's on, yeah, you know it's you have no stationary pressure. on a tee. Well, I, I shouldn't say you have no pressure. There's, there's, there's pressure. a thousand dollars on the line, but there's not anything no, really no, no, happening no, no. to you. There's pressure. You're talking thirty-five to forty thousand fans there. Oh come on, that's nothing. There's pressure. Thousand bucks on the line. There's pressure. The if you told me, bucks, hang on, the thousand bucks is a bigger deal than the yes, fans. Yes. If you told me, all right, you get this ten foot putt. In front oh, of I wouldn't make it. Are thousands you of me? people. I can't putt to save my life. No, but I'm saying that's that's pressure though. A thousand bucks, even not a th- ten dollars. You tell me, like if I'm playing with my dad or something, ten dollars you make this. I that's well, you that's know what, pressure. The, you know the the ultimate pressure one was. Remember the last Ryder Cup oh, when yeah. there was the practice round and it was Rory McIlroy and he was getting heckled by a fan who was like, "You're not going to make this putt." And Rory's like, "All right, you do this." Called him out, made him sit there, and was like, "You make this putt. I bet you won't do it." And he. So lays down a hundred bucks, has him putt, drills it. That's, that's pressure. That's pressure. That is pressure. Getting publicly called out. That's pressure. And doing it in front of a lot of people. Yes. It, the thousand dollars, that's only part of it. Doing it in front of thirty five thousand people. I mean you don't wanna you don't wanna embarrass yourself. You wanna well, like as long as you don't fall, you're not gonna embarrass yourself. We've seen people make terrible kicks. It happens every weekend. It's almost more <laughs> it's more surprising when they make it. That's true. Um it was surprising last year. Justin drilled it. So, again, if you're selected, we highly recommend that you go practice the night before. Work out the kinks. Yeah, get the get the, dis- the, Figure the out how to get the ball distance in the that you need, the whole thing. F- figure out how to get the ball in the air. All right, so I believe uh, Tommy's got our, our winner here. Uh, this hour, we'll, uh, we'll do it again next hour. So, talking some SU football now, uh, Seth. 
I hate to sound like a broken record, but does this game simply come down to whether Syracuse can stop the run? <laughs> yes. I mean, doesn't yes. it feel like that again? Yes, that's all it is. That, I, I think that is simply all this game comes down to. If Syracuse can stop the run, they should get the win because we've seen over the last uh, five quarters of football that Syracuse has a real stopping the run problem. And if you can't stop the run, and now it's been on tape for five straight quarters and two weeks, and that allows other teams to go see those same problems. That allows other teams to go devise their game plan and say, you know what they can't do? They can't run. Let's make let's make them stop the run. And if we've got to go to the air, we've got to go to the air. But I think every team that they face from here on out is going to be running on first down, running on second down, and then probably running on third down if they get there. So North Carolina is ranked 119th out of the 129 FBS teams in scoring offense, averaging 20.5 points per game. They're 104th in scoring defense, giving up about 34 points per game. We know SU scores a lot of points. The one thing that North Carolina is good at when you look at the stats is running the football, averaging 190 yards on the ground per game. The SU rush defense giving up 180 yards on the ground per game. So SU's rushing defense is is ranked 91st in the country right now at 180 per game. North Carolina averages 10 yards more than that on the ground. Seems like a great matchup. That's this the storyline. That seems is, like things are going to go great for the Orange this weekend. Unless they fixed it. And I know that Dino Baber spent the bye week working on trying to fix that. And he addressed that yesterday uh, at his weekly press conference. And he was asked point blank, what's the blame for the struggles uh, of, of stopping the run? Here's what he had to say. It's, it's numerous things. You know, it's a mental mistake here not being in the right spot. There's physical mistakes where you don't show up in a spot or now you're in that spot and you don't make the tackle. And then sometimes it's just a really, really good back running into a guy and crunching some bones, and the guy can't hold on, and the guy keeps going. So when you tie all those things in, that's the stuff that adds up to some of the numbers that we've been getting. And he was asked if they you know, spent time uh, working on specifically stopping the run. He said they did. He wasn't going to give away specifics. You know, They got games to play, which, which you understand. But we'll see on Saturday if what they did during the bye week uh, changed anything. Here's, I I think, the biggest problem with this, though. We've heard Dino Babers say that the problem with their run defense right now is just that they aren't making tackles and that they're in the right place, their scheme is right, the technique is, you know, there in that they are getting to their spots, but then they just don't make tackles. How do you fix that in season? Because you're not tackling people in practice. I would imagine that Monday to Friday, in practice, in season, you're not tackling people. You're not going full go. So... How do you fix that part of the problem? Because if the t- if if the scheme is right, if if the execution is there, but the tackling is just so bad that you're letting people run out of your tackles, how do you actually fix that in season? I I don't know that there's a fix or a solution to that in year because when are you ever going to tackle people and get people on the ground? When are you allowing Kylan Whitner, Andrew Armstrong, Ryan Guthrie to to work on that skill in practice? It's a fair point. Um if you listen to Dino, though, he'll tell you that that's only part of the problem. He'll say part of the problem is being in position. And we saw, like, for instance, with Quadre Olson's first long touchdown run when it was 14-0 Syracuse and he took it to the house from 70 yards away or whatever it was, part of it was just positioning. I mean, two guys had a shot at him. I believe that play was... Was that the play? It was Cisco had the first shot at him. It was either Cisco or Foster, and then Bradshaw had a shot at yeah. him as well. I forget it now. It was you know, two I weeks think it was ago Cisco. now. Um, but... 
one of those guys had a shot at him. He he missed the tackle, and then Bradshaw had a shot at him, and, and Olsen just outran him. But in part, they didn't have a great shot at him because the, the angle wasn't there. So they weren't exactly in the right position. So I think Dino Babers will tell you that it's it's partly guys not tackling. It's partly guys not being in the right position. Um, and it it's partly listen. They've gone up against some really good running backs the last couple of weeks, and I know that you know people don't want to hear that, but Travis Etienne is is a pretty darn good running Travis back. Travis Etienne is one of the best running backs in the country, and, and Quadriolison is a pretty darn good running back as well. Not as good, but not, pretty good. Not as good, but I mean, his freshman year, he was he fantastic. was fantastic, and he's dealt with some injuries. No, and, but but Olison is clearly a step below. Yeah. I mean, he's not on the Etienne AJ Dillon Fair level, point. but he's clear. You know, he's probably he's a one step of the or, better backs in the ACC. He, yes, and so. So that's my point. It's not like Scrubs are running for 200 yards against them. I mean, Olison, you know, he's a he's a veteran. He had a great freshman year. Uh, he's had some big games. I mean, he, you know, ran for almost 200 yards the other day. That wasn't even a career high for him. I mean, he's had some big games. Um, and Travis Etienne obviously is is one of the best running backs in the country. So part of it is who they've gone up against. Part of it is not tackling. Part of it is not being in the right position. So, um, you know, we'll see if that changes this weekend. Now, unfortunately for the Orange, you're going up against a really good rushing attack. I mean, that is North Carolina's strength, and they have some questions at quarterback. Um, You need to make them throw the ball. You need to do what you didn't do against Pittsburgh and what you didn't do against Clemson in the second half. You need to make them throw the ball. Correct. And I think... And based on the Pittsburgh in the second half of the Clemson game, I don't know that they will. It feels like that's what this game comes down to. And I know we we said it last week that that was really, you know, our keys to victory. That was key number one, key number two, key number three. Ken Syracuse stopped the run, and they didn't. The two running backs combined for 299 yards between Hall and Olison. Um, the, you know, North Carolina's got three guys that, that'll run the ball. Antonio Williams, uh, Williams, Michael Carter, and, uh, and Jordan Brown. How many times is Michael Carter going to get called Michael Carter-Williams? This week, by just not not on TV, just like I don't know in the lead up because I've already been thinking it. Yeah, Michael Carter. You want to say Williams, yes. and then his uh, his backfield mate, his last name is Williams. Yes. So, what's going to happen if Carter and Williams line up alongside each other? I, I Matt Park's going to have his, his hands full. Yes, his 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 brain is going to do five year flashbacks. They lined up in the I formation, one in front of the other. Williams behind Carter. That would that would cause problems. Yeah, a little bit. I'm with you. It's uh, yeah. That's. Um... But the bottom line is, we talked about this two weeks ago, leading up to the game. Key one, two, and three, as you said, were stop Quadriolison, and and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't do it. And and, and they saw too that the Pitt had a lot of success with the Wildcat. And right. I wonder if we're going to see some Wildcat out of North Carolina. I mean, they obviously saw the tape. They saw the same tape we saw. Yeah, I, I think that once you start putting that on tape, once you start putting those holes on tape. Guess what's going to happen every week the rest of the season? So if if Pitt was able to do it, if you weren't able to force them to throw, what makes you think that you'll, they'll be able to force UNC to throw? So they've got to come out and set the tone in the first quarter, first drive, and, and stop the run. And if they can stop the run and force short drives early, then I think that swings things way back in their favor. All right, we'll hear more from Dino Babers on the other side of this break. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Let's wrap up hour number one with a few more comments uh, from Dino Babers from his press conference uh, yesterday. I found this interesting about the opponent. Uh, you know, you look at North Carolina and you see the record. You see one and four. And again, you look at the stats and you see that they're 
you know, towards the bottom in in many categories, including scoring offense and scoring defense. It's been a struggle this year. Um, Dino Babers had an had an interesting take on this, and you you kind of forget that they've been dealing with some things off the field, and they were dealing with some things off the field going into the year that led to you know more than a dozen players getting suspended or having to to deal with suspensions. And again, North Carolina staggered those suspensions so that they wouldn't all be suspended at once. Uh, here's Dino Babers on the opponent this weekend. And you got a team that's been penalized by the NC2A. They have been rotating, what, 14 guys or something to that effect in and out of games, messing with their uh, various lineups where they can't get used to each other in offense and defense. And uh, the front part of their record doesn't look so good. They remind me of a team that's beat up with injuries, what's happened to us a little bit on the back end in November. So you take these guys out of the lineup, it's like they have major injuries. You're putting other guys in. They're not truly, you know, jiving with each other on offense and defense and now you have the record that you have well those guys are all coming back and they're getting their starting lineups back in and the flip side of that coin is they're fresh because they haven't been playing games so they're going to be the freshest team going down the stretch and uh, we're going to have our hands full I mean this is a really really good football game football team and I think when you look across the ACC and what everybody's doing and the the performance that Pitt did against Notre Dame, I just think there's good football teams out there that people don't realize how good they are, especially when those teams are playing uh, at home. It's an interesting take that, and he's right, by the way, that their starting lineup is pretty much intact now. They're, they're, I believe they're only going to be missing one player, one one regular uh, for this game due to suspension on the defensive side of the ball. And so with that being said, they're, they're pretty much whole for the first time all season. Um and they're fresh. I mean, it is. It's an interesting point. And so, while they are one and four, you look at who they beat. They beat Pitt, who beat Syracuse, and they should have beaten Virginia Tech. Has there ever been a coach ever who said their opponent no. isn't very good? No, it, there is some coach speak to that, but his reasoning, I think, is his reason- is, is I rock his, solid. I get his reasoning. I don't think that UNC is good. I, I don't think that they're a very good team. I don't think they're a very. I don't think they're a good team. When they have everybody back, I just don't think they're they're good. I don't think they've got the talent there. And yeah, they've been dealing with some stuff. And whether whether you think NCAA rules are ridiculous or not, and and they should have been suspended or not, is is it, you know unimportant because they were suspended and they've been dealing with these suspensions over the first five six weeks of the year. They had a game canceled, but I just I don't think they're very good. Even now, fully back on the field. Take away the the word good for a second, because you're right. Every coach says that. But listen to what he's saying. It makes a lot of sense. Is this team better than maybe we think they are? Or is this team better than its record indicates? And and that is, I think that is true. And you look at a team that is one and four, and it is easy for everyone, including the fans and the players, to look past them or to see the 10-point spread and say, this is a game, you know, Syracuse should blow them out. This is... And and Dino is saying, well, well, no, they're fresh, they're whole for the first time. This is like getting guys back from injury. They're, you know, anxious to play the guys who have been sitting out, and they get to play together. Sure. Um, so there, th- that makes them a dangerous opponent. And and you're right. Take away the word good because everybody, every coach says, every coach says this, every this team is a good. good football team. But his his reasoning is rock solid, and I think that is. I don't want to say cause for concern, but. The Orange better be paying attention because he's right. They are whole for the first time, and they can run the football. And they just had Virginia Tech on the ropes, and I don't know how good Virginia Tech is, but 
we look at Virginia Tech as one of the better teams in the Coastal Division, and they went down there to Blacksburg and should have won that game. They shot themselves in the foot time and time again. Now, to your point from yesterday, you said, well, they're just you know bad football teams shoot themselves in the foot. I get that. Um, but if they don't fumble on the one-yard line with you know eight minutes to go in the game, they win. Okay, bad team. Bad teams make that mistake. Bad teams do that stuff. Bad teams. We saw Kenyon Drake fumble on the one yard okay, line, and, and and the Dolphins ended up kicking a field goal and won the game. There was, was a fine weird. line that between. Was ex- that it's was the a, same thing, extenuate. though. Okay, but then they, but okay, but they let up the ninety nine yard drive that ended in a score and a loss. I'm just saying it is a fine line between winning and losing, and if their running back does not fumble on the one, they win. And you're right, it was a fluky thing, but it happens. And my point is, is that maybe they're not as bad as. Their the record, numbers would say. Yeah, the numbers Fine. would say. The that's, record, the stats in the country. It, that's all I'm saying, is that this can't be looked at as, wow, it's only North Carolina. They're awful. Um, Syracuse is going to have to come out and play this game and stop the run in order to win. It's not going to be a pushover, I guess, is my point, and that's Dino's point. It's North Carolina. They won one game last year, and they're not good. All right, so you're not buying into what he's saying. I, I understand what he's saying. I understand that they're whole for the first time. I just don't think that the whole team is good. I I don't think it matters. Well, we didn't think Pitt was very good either. Well, they're not. <laughs> they have a really talented Syracuse running back. And then almost beat Notre Dame. And if their kicker made two field goals like he did against Syracuse the week before, they beat Notre Dame. So maybe Pitt yes. was better than we thought. They That's might I'm be. Saying. I think they are. I, I don't, I'm not sure about might. I mean, we, we thought Pitt wasn't good at all. And... You know, maybe Syracuse made them look good. The fact they couldn't stop the run. But then they did the same thing to Notre Dame. Played maybe a little too conservatively in the second half, or they win that game. And I would still say about Pittsburgh that if you could force them to throw, you're going to have them in trouble, which is ultimately why Notre Dame won the game. Because they were able to stop the run even a little bit, and then Kenny Pickett has to go make a play, and you can't, and, and Kenny Pickett can't do anything. I think the same thing happens this weekend. So stop, you're not willing to say Pitt's the, better than we thought? Maybe a little bit. I don't think they're significantly better than we thought. I think they're still a pretty bad team. I don't think they're going to get 500, if that's what we're saying. I don't think they're going to reach bowl eligibility. I think they're not. I I don't think they're a good team. I think Syracuse went and laid an egg. And if they played anything better than like a D game, they win. That's fair. But then for them to do it the following week against Notre Dame, I think they're better than we thought they were. That was good enough for me. I'm not saying they're a good team either. They're better than we thought they were. They might be. They're I said still, Syracuse was going to win by double good. digits, so what do I know? We know nothing. Let's be honest, right? That's, that's Actually, the, we, we nailed the first five games. We just <laughs> we did. We, we did not nail the Pittsburgh game. It happens. That's the big, that's the big mask on this whole thing. We, we don't actually know anything. We just pretend. No, nah, we know stuff. Some of our, our callers might disagree with that. <laughs> 315-437-7644, hour number one in the books. We'll kick off hour number two right after this, but first here's Tommy with a Sports Center update. Jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, but he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, 
party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open for the entire second hour at 315-437-7644. It is Tuesday, which means top five, bottom five NFL power rankings. Where do you want to start, Seth? We've got that dilemma to get to. What do let's we do to, with the no, Patriots the and bottom, Chiefs? Let's do the bottom first. So Rattle that we through have, the bottom? So that we have more time to talk Fair about enough. the top I like that. afterwards. I like that approach. Because, yes, we do have that dilemma, as as you say. Uh, do you want to start at the, the fifth worst team or the worst team? Where do you want me to start? Well, here? I think there's less suspense at the very bottom, so let's start okay. with the very bottom. Uh, the and Raiders. We'll, we'll work our way up to 28th. The Raiders are 32nd. No I, doubt. I have the third. I have the Forty Niners at thirty first. I have the Cardinals at thirtieth, Giants at 29th, and Tommy Hogan's Colts at twenty eighth. All right, so I guess there's not that much suspense. I had Raiders at thirty two, Cardinals at thirty one. Again, we're splitting hairs with the bottom three we teams really here. Are. They're um, all so terrible. Are we though? Like I think the Raiders are a step below. The Raiders are else. Cardinals and, and Niners. I think you could kind of flip flop them. Uh, the Niners last night looked capable. Uh, and I'm not sure how capable the Cardinals are, at least on offense. They've gotten better since Josh Rosen has taken over. Um, but the Niners look capable last night on offense. Uh, the Cardinals are still struggling uh, on that side of the ball. So that's why I think we're splitting hairs. Giants, I had a 29. Uh, I had the Colts at 28. The Bills made a strong push to get back in my bottom five. But that defense is playing really well right now. Uh, I think the defense is better than the Colts' defense, and the record's better than the Colts' record. So I gave the nod to the Colts at 28, putting them at 28. I left the Bills out of my my bottom five. But with the Josh Allen injury, who knows what's going to happen. Seems like he's out for a little bit. Seems like he's out. And when I heard Sean McDermott yesterday say week-to-week, that is never good. Because day to day, no, it's not. You know, generally day to day means he's going to miss a couple of games or could miss a couple of games. Week to week, to me, it really means like a month. Sounds like he's going to miss, you know, some time. You is, know, is week to week the football way of saying day to day? Because like in baseball, you say day to day, and you're like, ah, he might miss a game or two. But in football, if you say day to day, you're like, oh, maybe he misses practice. Do you remember? Well, you're too young to remember this. Um, we, you weren't covering the team. In college, when Chandler Jones was around, no, or, no, that was no. that was before you got here. It was just uh, before. So Chandler Jones went through a stretch where he was, I, I want to say, he was day to day for like six weeks, and it was, <laughs> it, and it was, you know, Doug Marone not wanting to tip his hand whether or not he was going to play. But then you, you know, you find out after the season, or you know, I teach a class up there, so right. there were kids in my class saying he's he's not playing, like there's no way he's playing, like they're, they're not even considering playing him. But Doug Marone just kept saying, yeah, he's day to day. So the fact that he's week to week. To me, indicates that Josh Allen's got gonna, some serious. He's going to miss some time. Um, I think that's fair. Is Derek Anderson ready? If not, it's going to be Nathan Peterman again, and we know how that's going to end uh, we were, on Sunday. We were talking about this a little bit off air. Derek Anderson might be the best quarterback right now that the Bills have. Like even if Josh Allen's healthy. Like I, mean, he, I, I mean, right now. I don't mean right. long term. Correct. Long term, Josh Allen is clearly the starter. Well, what of the I Bills. said was but, that. But it, Derek it, Anderson might be the yes. better quarterback right this moment. What I said was that he might help that offense. You know, you've got receivers that are 
well, Kelvin Benjamin in particular, who He's wants... He's played with Kel- Kelvin right. Benjamin before. He wants to get th- some targets. And, you know, Josh Allen, I've been impressed with Josh Allen to this point. He's had some bad moments. He's had some good moments. Um, but the flashes that I've seen of the good that he's done, scrambling and you know that touchdown he scored the other day, and you know his ability to keep them in games when they have no business being in games, I, I like his grittiness. I guess for for lack of a better term, um, he's done some good things this year. So yes, moving forward, Josh Allen is the guy that you want to see develop. But Derek Anderson might be best for these offensive players, namely the receivers, to get them the ball right now. Like if they were trying to win games, if they were making a playoff push, Derek Anderson might be the better option. Yeah, potentially. Uh, you want to get to the top? Sure, let's start at... Fifth uh, is so hard for me. It is hard. Fifth is so hard for me. I had the Ravens, maybe the Chargers, and I ended up going with the Chargers. I think the Ravens' schedule over the next four weeks is really difficult. Their next four games, uh, Saints at Panthers, Steelers, Bengals, um, they're all above 500, so we're going to find out if the Ravens are for real. But I just, I don't know. I have a I have a tough time thinking that the Ravens are, are as good as they've looked so far. Uh, Philip Philip Rivers looks fantastic, and Joey Bosa is leading that defensive line, and, and that's a, a good recipe for success. I can't argue with that. I mean, as we discussed last week, you could name seven, eight teams uh, in this spot, and I I can't argue with any of them. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was strongly considering the Eagles, even though that they're three and three. Um, You know, Carson Wentz wasn't ready to start the season. They've been ravaged by injuries. Jay Jai's out. Darren Sproles has been out. Um, You know, the defense hasn't been as good as as it was last year. I I do think the Eagles, at the end of the day, are are going to be. The team that comes out of the NFC East, and I, I think they're going to be just fine. I think they'll end up being one of the better teams in the NFC. I didn't go with the Eagles yet, uh, but they're knocking on the door for me. I put the Steelers in there. The Steelers have won three of four. They're about to get Le'Veon the Bell back. Um, you know, they just beat the Bengals. I, and I don't know how good the Bengals are, um, but I, I threw the Steelers in there. They've got a winning record if you throw in the tie where they 3 2 and 1. Yep. Um, and I they, was thinking of the Steelers too. And they I got know, Le'Veon Bell coming back. I had the Bengals in there last week and then they lost. I think the Bengals are in that conversation. I think the Dolphins are probably making their way into the conversation there. There's just so many mediocre teams that they creep up into the top five of the league. Do you mean the, the Brock Osweiler led Dolphins? I don't like Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I know. I don't like Brock Osweiler or Ryan Tannehill. I think they're both pretty bad. So therefore, they're not jumping into the top no, five. No, but I think they're kind of like, they beat because talk my, about fool's gold. We were talking during yes, the break about fool's, fool's gold. gold. Yeah, the Dolphins had some fool's gold at the beginning of the season. They did that and fast start, beat, and then they beat the Bears, and we think the Bears are good because they were three and one, and we have no idea if the Bears are any good. Right? That that's what's going on there too. Yeah. We have no idea if the Bears are any good, but they were three and one. So yeah, the Dolphins beat a good team. Yeah, I didn't consider the Dolphins this week. No, but they're four and two. So they the are record four and has two. them like kinda in that maybe. I didn't consider them really. Uh the top four I think is fairly easy in some order. In some order you have Rams, Chiefs, Patriots, Saints. Yes, of course. Okay. Uh Saints four. Saints four. I've got the Patriots three and the Chiefs two, and the Rams one. Yeah, and I, I went the other way. Um and I know I'm a hypocrite because I said yesterday in the show, I think the Chiefs are the better team. And I still today think that the Chiefs are the better team. But the Patriots just won the game. The we Bills, had this debate the Bills last beat the year. Vikings, so they, the Vikings are the better team? No, but t- I mean, today, I mean, it's they, they're so close. I mean, this isn't a case. I, this wasn't an upset. It was. I don't know that it's that close. And I know that the Patriots just won. I don't know that no, it's. No, stop. I, 
when the Chiefs are healthy and have Eric Berry and Justin Houston and they're playing and they've got their full team. And the Patriots have added that, Julian Edelman te- and Josh Gordon. They played. And they, they won. At least pl- okay. They played, they played okay. each other and they but, won. But Edelman, but Edelman and Gordon at least played in that game. The two best defensive players that the Chiefs have are hurt. That's so, and that's so a get fair those point. two back and they're clearly the better okay. team. Okay, time out here. That's why today, it's the power rankings today. That's it's why true. I said, I think the Chiefs are the better team, but right now I have to put the Patriots ahead of them because they just played. And you brought up the Vikings and Bills, and that is a horrible example because the Vikings and Bills are nowhere near each other, right? I mean, that was an upset. That was a true upset. It was one of the biggest upsets in you know regular season history if you look at the point spread. It was. In terms of how much the Bills won by and, and how much they were, you know, how much the Vikings were favored by. So that is a horrible example. They just played. We thought it was going to be a great game and a close game, and it was. And the Patriots won. Now it was at home, and the Chiefs looked unstoppable in the second half. And if you you wonder, well, if they didn't get off to that bad start, what would have happened? But they did. They did get off to a bad start, and Patrick Mahomes looked like you know a first time starter for half of that game, and then he turned into Patrick Mahomes from you know the the early part of this season. So I think if they play again, we might get a different outcome. But today. I'm putting the Patriots second and the Chiefs third. I'm going to leave the Patriots third and the Chiefs second because I, I think that the Chiefs are still the better team, and I think that the Chiefs are still the more talented team, even though that game happened on Sunday. And I know that that, and that game was close. That game was on the road for the Chiefs. I, I still think they're the better team, and so I'm going to put them higher in my power rankings. Um, you know, I, I know that they're really close, and I know that that head-to-head matchup just happened. I think that you've uh, just watching those two teams over the course of the year. I think the Chiefs are the better team. Good for you for sticking by your principles. Um, but I think I'm wrong. I do. So. Well, today the Patriots are the better team. They just played. We had the same argument last we year, did. and I forget the circumstance. I don't remember who it was, but, but we, had we had the same this, exact argument. We had the argument. same yes. argument. I said, "Well, they you just played, Seth." Now you weren't as like understanding about that one, if I remember correctly. You no, were, you were a little tougher on that one. Than, you know why? Because I don't remember who the teams were either. I wish I, I did. don't. I don't either. But th- this one, I'm I'm more forgiving because I'm having the same inner struggle that you are because we both think the Chiefs are better. I just I can't. Put them ahead of the Patriots right now because but they next, just played and lost. But next week, when both Maybe. teams win, you'll put the Maybe. Chiefs back in second. No, I don't know. Um, can, I don't we, know. <laughs> can we talk for a minute about the number one team in the in the league? Also, because the Rams. What's just, there to say the about Rams, the Rams? The Rams just quietly go about annihilating people, um, and they didn't do it on the final scoreboard in that game in Denver. But like Todd Gurley had two hundred yards. They just turn around and they hand it to him, and they're like, "Here, do your thing." I saw a stat that, it, and I, I'm. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Jared Goff, I want to say it was his fourth start of his life uh, in in sub-32 degree temperatures. Is that that what it was? That sounds right. You know, being a West Coast guy, and he does not play in cold weather all that much. Uh, He didn't have a great game, but they didn't need him to have a great game. They just ran the football, and it was cold, and there was snow on the field, and it stopped snowing, thankfully, in time for the game. Um, but the Rams just went out and they they did their thing, and I think that's isn't that the one concern with a team like that that scores a lot of points is when there's adverse weather conditions. You know whether you you know once you get into the playoffs, although their games are going to be at home LA, at this right. point. At this point, They're the games going to be at home. But if they run into adverse weather conditions late in the season, late in the regular season, whatever the case may be, how will they handle it? They ran into some adverse weather conditions in Week Six and they handled it just fine. And they've got the explosive offense, but they've also got that defense to back it up. They've got Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue along the front line. They've got, uh, I know Akeem Tlaib was hurt, but they've got a really good secondary with Tlaib and Peters. And uh, 
they just built a really good team. Uh, I, I think this is re- really incredible. Todd Gurley had 20, uh, 208 yards. His long, his long carry was 29 yards. So he didn't rip off like two 70-yard runs. He didn't, you know, keep rip feeding off. him. He just, he just methodically tore that defense apart. Right, we, methodically tore Denver apart. We need to take a timeout. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. Full lines remain open at 315-437-7644. We're back with our weekly sound check after this on ESPN Radio.